You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome back to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife. He is James Hardigan. Happy birthday, Joe. Thanks, buddy. Coming up on today's show, we took a couple of weeks off because we didn't think we'd have a lot to talk about, and now we have two much. Okay, don't rewrite history. The primary objective of taking those two weeks off is because we knew we were going to be so freaking busy, and we were, and we still are, and yet here we are still recording a podcast. Yes, well, I think people genuinely missed it, so I'm happy to be back in this chair for podcast time. The big news, what did we miss? The Poker Stars Call to Action charity stream. A little bumpy, but overall, I would call it a huge success. One of the best broadcast days of my life. James? Overall, it was fun. We got to talk to a lot of my favorite people, a lot of people who I've been a fan of for many years. And one of those people that we got to chat to on the live stream, we're going to chat to again today on this podcast. That's right. He was the winner of that event, an actor from two of this podcast's favorite TV shows, David Costabile. Bile? Bill? Constable. Constable. Imagine imagine you're saying police constable, but missing out the N. Constable. Okay. Okay, good. I think that's what I've mostly been saying. Probably should have known that headed into this. David uh, is, of course, from Breaking Bad and one of the most memorable TV characters of all time on Billions. He goes by Wags. Very, very excited to have David on the show today. Uh, I am a billion super fan, so I'm pretty stoked about that. But we are having a poker in the ears super fan on the show as well today. Enrique Gomez is coming on the show to challenge me to trivia on the HBO Watchmen TV series, which James and I also both loved. I cannot wait to get killed in this. Uh, There's just no way I could have watched it again. And uh Shit just doesn't stay with me like it used to, even though I did love this series from start yeah, to finish. It was a good show. Uh, so, hey, I just wanted to uh, to let everybody know that I went out. And for once, it wasn't from a poker tournament. I actually left the house. So just to be the- clear here, yeah, when you say you went out, I am naively assuming that even though we're under advice to stay at home, even though there is effectively a lockdown in place, you are allowed out to get essential supplies. You are allowed out to do exercise. Please tell me that you've not actually been indoors since mid-March. I mean, not literally, but very close. Wow. Uh, I I went to a coffee shop like maybe six weeks ago. And uh, I went for a walk maybe two weeks ago. And I was so stressed out on the walk, seeing people not in masks, not socially distancing. I was really judgmental. It really stressed me out. I was just, it it just, it wasn't worth it for me. Like the, it was nice to get out and go for a walk, but I was so stressed out the whole time that I was like, I don't really think I could do this again. And when I say went out though, so yeah, no, I didn't, I haven't been to any stores. I've been only getting groceries delivered. Um, So when I say I, I went out, I went out for a social thing. Now, before you guys all freak out and just call me a hypocrite, I was invited to this movie uh, that Amazon made called Vast of Night uh, had a drive-in movie premiere. 
Oh, that's so, a good way of doing it. So it yeah. enforced social distancing. Exactly. And I felt like it seriously, it felt like, um, um, what's that, what's that show about the dystopian future on Hulu? The, the hand, it felt like a handmaid's tale. Like, like me and my girlfriend had like this, this special ticket. Like we actually got to go do something on a Friday night. Like we got like all t- showered and dressed up and drove over an hour to go to this drive-in. Uh, the good news is, loved the movie. When it comes out on Amazon, you guys should all watch it. It is fantastic. I went into it not even knowing the the summary, the plot, nothing. Um, it was really, really cool. Loved it. The bad news is, it reminded me of why drive-ins never worked in the first place. Yeah. or went away in yeah. the first place. If it's dark, you can't see. Um. It's it's really tough to make out the screen and people are still behaving like fucking idiots. Like I didn't realize how hard it was to not turn your headlights on at the drive in because apparently every five seconds somebody else had their fucking lights on. And even at the drive in, people were not social distancing. They were out of their cars. They were sitting on the ground. They were all hanging out, drinking, sharing beers. And so it's just another Another thing, like, nope, why am I even leaving the house? I'm afraid, James, that when th- this is all over, I won't go out. I'll still stay in because it's just made me just hate people. Stapes more. the perma hermit. Yeah. Anyway, one of the good things about being indoors is I've been playing a ton of Poker Stars home games. And. One of the home games I play in has been getting bigger and bigger. And Paul Schrader, uh, director of Taxi Driver, not director, excuse me, writer of Taxi Driver. And uh, one of James's favorite movies, Machinima. By the way, James, I did get Machinima signed for you. You have a signed copy of the Machinima Blu-ray waiting for me. Machinima, yes. Waiting for you on my bookshelf here. Fantastic. Paul was very happy to do it. Uh, so Paul is the writer and director of the movie, The Card Counter, that I was working on as the poker consultant. Paul has started joining our uh, Zoom Play Money Poker Stars home game, and he gave an update on the movie to all 40 people who are playing this home game now. And um, it turns out that he's been editing the movie, uh, what what has been shot, and he's been using simulations uh, to fill in the blanks of the things that he hasn't shot yet. And apparently, two things. Apparently, one, I'm pretty prominently featured. Uh, I don't have any lines in the movie, but apparently it is very clearly Joe Stapleton uh, in the movie. And two, he's been showing the movie to his movie maker friends. So both Steven Soderbergh and Martin Scorsese have seen my acting. And the phone has not stopped ringing since. Well, I wouldn't know. I've been on the line fucking doing poker star shit nonstop for the last uh, <laughs> eight weeks. If, if someone tried to get through, they probably couldn't. I'd probably sleep through it. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, it looks like uh, scoop, James. We're going to mostly skip the scoop talk for well, now, right? We basically were going to do a scoop recap at the end of the series. And because it got extended, we're going to push that probably to next week's podcast, um, even though scoop will still be running at that point. But that's going to be our main focus <laughs> for next week. But we have to obviously touch on a few banner headlines. Yeah. Finton won a scoop. 
That's awesome, man. Lex made a final table, and then straight after that, both he and Spraggy ran deep in the main event. And there was that awesome day. It was the penultimate day of the Scoop main event, playing down to the final table where Spraggy and Lex were streaming in squad mode, and everyone on Twitch could watch them side by side. And then, bizarrely, because they were playing at the same table, it was Lex who eliminated Spraggy, got the raid of that audience, and then broke all the records on Twitch. The most number of people who've ever watched a poker streamer Plus, at one point of everything that was happening on Twitch at that moment in time, Lex was number one, the number one channel. You think of all the other games, all the other content that's on Twitch, and it was a poker streamer who was number one at that point in time. Yeah, it was a hell of a day for Twitch poker. Um, I, I do want to reiterate, Finton, incredible winning a yes. scoop. That day, uh, Lex and Spraggy, for Lex to have been number one in the in the Twitch overall directory, not yes. the poker directory, about 57,000, I think, was the highest I saw his number. Just to put that in perspective, that's more people than were watching most cable channels at that point. Uh, your ITV, whatever it is, ITV4 or whatever, more people were watching Lex on Twitch than watching that channel. More people were watching Lex probably than MTV or Comedy Central at that point in the day. So fucking huge. What a day. Yeah. What a day for Twitch. Yeah. And then we had a couple of long days because we did the 10K PLO main event final table cards up yes. replay. The day after that, the event that Lex came close to making the final of, the No Limit Hold'em main event. We're going to be doing more EPT Retro and Scoop streams next week. And of course, something I forgot to promote last night with everything that we've got going on right now, the PSPC TV oh, shows <laughs> continue to run in the UK and Ireland on Thursday nights. So if you haven't seen them yet, you can check them out on all four, Channel 4's on-demand platform. And, of course, new episodes are airing around midnight every Thursday. And if you're in Canada, you can still catch the shows on Sportsnet as well. Yeah. As you said, Joe, a lot going on at the moment. And one of the big things that we had in the last 10 days was the big charity event on Saturday, the 9th of May. Event recap. Event recap. Stars Call for Action Charity Tournament. I was stressed leading up to it, Joe. Yeah. But actually, it was a fun night, despite not everything going according to plan. But ultimately, this was about raising a lot of money for good causes, and that it certainly achieved. Yeah, of course. So you can't uh, you can't take away from the fact that a million dollars got donated to various charities of course care getting the lion's share of that but then a lot of it being divided up amongst lots of the celebrities individually chosen things i will say that you know we said it was bumpy uh, some of the production aspects of it and it was but also i will just want to point out what was being attempted there they were attempting to take a hundred different people organize them into 16 different poker tables, 16 different Skype channels that we could then cut to 
bring off and on the broadcast, that's a lot of moving pieces. That's a lot of people who need to log into the software, who need to have their Skype set up the right way. Uh, the fact that that went as well as it did, I think is actually pretty good. Uh, we didn't get to see as many tables as we would have liked, but the one we did get to see was pretty fucking cool. Absolutely. So first of all, let's salute Hank Azaria and Andy Bellin, who came up with this idea and put the game together and recruited so many stars of the big and small screen to come to the online tables to play for charity. And one of the tables that we focused on and had five out of the six celebrities actually in vision talking to each other was Hank's table. Uh, he was joined by Liam Payne, Terry Hatcher. Uh, J.K. Simmons sadly couldn't get online. But also you had... Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. You have Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul. And how cool was it that those two got heads up at that table playing for a seat in the final? Yeah, not just cool that they got heads up. Now, eventually, um, Aaron Paul did have some Skype problems, but Brian Cranston was on pretty much the whole time and just getting to hear him talk to Hank and just, I don't know, man. Like, obviously, everyone wants the Walter White, Jesse Pinkman reunion, and we're probably never going to get that in uh, in its truest form uh, without any too too much spoilers here. Uh, but to be able to see them playing poker against each other was very, very cool. It was kind of like when celebrities used to guest star on uh, on Scooby Doo. You're like, ah, I I know that I know that this isn't really Batman and Robin on Scooby-Doo, but it's pretty cool to get some more Batman and Robin content. Uh, there is a, a lot of other uh, really cool names in this event. Uh, some folks that were personally really uh, important to me, Michael Ian Black, a guy that we had on the show before, Amy Schumer played on the event. Uh, in the event, she ended up hopping into onto our broadcast later on, which was incredible. Obviously, for me as a stand-up, like to talk to one of the biggest stand-ups in the world very briefly. Turns out her sister, uh, a young woman by the name of Kim Caramelli, uh, has been following me and sort of tweeting at me every once in a while. Didn't realize they were related. Uh, so it was cool to see her sister go deep. I think her yeah. sister actually won uh, her table and she moved did. on. She did. Well, she, was playing she, for a seat in the final. And then we managed to get uh, Thomas Lennon to hop on the stream with us. So there was an amazing moment when <laughs> Hank Azaria, after busting, came on. And, and, and bless him, Hank pretty much stayed with us for most of the show as kind of like a guest slash co-commentator. Cool. And Joe dragged out this signed poster he had of Night at the Museum 2, where Hank has a starring role as the villain in the movie. And Joe wanted to verify that the signature was actually Hank's signature, and he hadn't been ripped off. And Hank said, yeah, that's my signature. And almost five minutes later, Tom Lennon joins the call, and I didn't realize, I know Tom is an actor, I didn't realize that he was the creator of Night at the Museum and wrote both the first two movies. Yeah, uh, I, I've, it actually took me a second, too. Like, it didn't, it wasn't something I planned on. Like, I knew Tom was in it, and then he showed up. And then I'm, I'm, as I'm interviewing these people, I'm thinking about their catalogs, right? I'm like, yeah. what else has Tom done? Re Reno 911. I'm like, holy shit, Tom writes. And I go, oh, fuck, I'm pretty sure he wrote Night at the Museum. So I pull the poster back out, and sure enough, at the bottom, written by Thomas Lennon and uh, Ben Garant. So that was a cool moment to be able to, uh, to say what's up to him. Casey Affleck hopping on the stream yeah, at one point. I think he was at the final table, right? Um, I think Brian Cranston made it to the final table. 
as well. Uh, and it was David Costable, Wags from Billions, Gail Betica from Breaking Bad, who was the eventual winner. And we had a very brief chat on the live stream. And when we said to David, we're a big fan of Billions and we're a big fan of you and your work, and we have a podcast where we talk about your TV shows all the time, he said, cool, I'll come on your podcast. Well, we weren't going to let that go, were we? So we invited him onto the show, and I'm very pleased to say he is here today. David Costable, welcome to Poker in the Ears. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Couldn't be happier. Yeah, dude, this is very exciting for me. I have... uh... I, I was a latecomer to Billions. Uh-huh, and, shame on you. Yes, shame <laughs> on me. But it was mostly because I was jealous because of uh, Brian's you connection. You to be on the show? I wanted to be on the show. I wanted to be a billionaire. And also, you know, uh-huh. Brian being, you know, very famous in our circles, in the poker sure. circles. Sure. And so many poker people were early adopters that I was kind of like like a baby about it at first. And then once I started watching it, man, did I just get hooked. What a What a fun show. You felt I'm not going to be part of that. I'm not going to go to that party unless I was invited. Exactly. Exactly. And then I was more or less invited because Brian's always been super, (laughs) super cool to me. And I was like, what are you doing, Stapes? You got to watch the show. So, yeah, I I absolutely love it. Uh, Before we get to billion stuff, let me just say uh, congratulations on uh, winning a massive amount of money for charity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, you know, one of the things like if I if you really go back on and say like, okay. If you played that exact tournament 10 times, how many times would I have won? And the answer is a single time. It just <laughs> happened to come first. And I probably would have been out the other nine times I would have been out maybe in about 20 minutes. So uh, it, it was the perfect storm for me. Are you selling yourself short on your poker skill? How do you rate yourself? What's your poker history? I'm just trying to sandbag my poker skill in order to try to make sure that everybody un- underestimates me as they continue to do. So I, I hope that continues to be true. Uh, you know, I, in the beginning of the boom, I played for a long time. Black Friday came. I played very little, um, you know, and uh, th- that's where it goes. You know, and there's always, there's occasionally here or there, I'll be in Vegas and I'll play and Certainly, certainly, it's it, one is much better when one is playing a, a tournament stone sober and not three in the morning. So, um, <laughs> if you're if you're hammered and you know donking away thousands of dollars in the middle of the night, you know, sure, you're lousy. <laughs> not that I've ever, not that I've ever done that or anybody else. I'm sure. What is uh, what is the experience like for you when you play in Las Vegas as far as being recognized and or pawed at it? Is it annoying? Is it fun? You know, it's it's definitely part of the it's definitely uh, it's part of the gig, you know, like people people get excited. They certainly get, you know, and depending on who, you know, what the what the show that they love, they love you from Breaking Bad or they love you from The Wire, they love you from Billions and then People are psyched. The last time I was in Vegas, the strangest thing, and this this is where I actually drew the line, and I never knew that there was an actual line I would draw. It was about like 11 o'clock in the morning, and this guy had obviously been up all night and was still hammered. And my buddies and I were going to breakfast, and the guy looks at me, he's like, hey, fucking Wags, hey, let, me, let me pick you up. <laughs> oh, God. Like, what? And he was like, let me pick you up. And I was like, no. <laughs> you can't pick me up. And then, then I just sort of, I had to actually physically sort of push him away. Like, don't pick me. Like, I'm not an actual, like, Wags doll. Like, what the fuck is your problem? It just seemed like the strangest thing I'd ever, you know, picture taken, 
you know, put this hat on, whatever. It's like your little doll. But at some point, like, can I pick you up just seemed so it just crossed some line that I never actually knew that I had. Two things. Number one, that is an incredibly Vegas moment. <laughs> Secondly, he just gave you an awesome idea for merchandising. Why can I not buy a Wags doll right now? Well, you can buy the you can buy the cutout. You can get the full life size. Okay. On, on the Showtime dot com. <laughs> you can uh, get it for thirty nine ninety five, which is what I bought mine for. So. <laughs> you had to pay full price. <laughs> yeah, full price. You referenced a couple of other shows there as well, David, and this is the weird thing. Even if your IMDb page just had three credits, and those credits were Billions, The Wire, and Breaking Bad, you'd be doing okay. There is, of course, so much more there, including multiple Spielberg movies. There is one key question I have to ask you about Breaking Bad, because my two key memories of Gail Betica as a character are, A, his unfortunate demise, spoiler alert, Mm. and B, is when the police are going through his apartment and they find the video, the music video, the karaoke video. And that's where I just think (laughs) there must be some days where you just absolutely love working. And that Uh has to be what recording that must have been awesome. That was, it was, it was, it was, it was, I I will tell you that the day, the day that we shot it, you know, I was shooting, it was in Albuquerque and, and, uh, you know, they had come up with this idea that they wanted to do this, and I had to learn this tune. And um, and then it's me, like, standing, looking at, like, a tennis ball, pretending that's the karaoke machine, in front of this green screen. And the song is a long song, and the entire crew stopped what else they were shooting and, like, had decided to come over, and, like, I was doing this concert for everybody. And, you know, it's I forget how long. It just seemed like forever doing this giant three-minute song. <laughs> <coughs> dancing and singing it was uh, it was it was very fun it was very it was very enjoyable uh that that leads me to a question about that applies both to billions and and to uh breaking bad when you're in the middle of it right when you're a cog in the wheel yeah uh, do you see can you see the brilliance of what it will be when it's on the screen while you're in it or can you only feel it like what amount of perception do you have of what you're a part of there's definitely times when you, I think the the danger the danger for me is that when you when you start to feel it, then you really want to see it too. You really want to step out, but you really can only feel it because if you know there are definitely moments when you felt it and you're like, this is so fucking cool. This is insane how awesome this feels, and I know it must look amazing. Um, but if you try to take any step back out and even really get, catch a glimpse of it, you kind of ruin the. You, you ruin the effect or you start okay. to sort of you start to minimize the effect of what it could be for everybody else involved. And, and on some level that uh, just that the, the, the simple concentration and the simple sort of existing in that particular moment, like the very first time, the first day of, you know, shooting on Breaking Bad where Gail meets Walt and we make I make coffee for him and then I recite the poem for him. It was this incredible just like. You could just feel how like crazily magical it was, and it was it was the first time meeting Brian, and I was a huge fan of the show, and um, you know I was so jacked up to just just to be around them because I had also watched the show, and was such a huge fan um, that I didn't I had such a need to not fuck it up, uh, <laughs> and but you could you could really feel like oh this is gonna look cool the people involved you knew all the players and you knew that everything. 
Um, and that the response that you're getting is that you're fitting in, like, as you say, like the co- your piece is fitting and that yeah. you're not out, you're not stepping outside of it. And then billions, what's really fun is that as we're making it, uh, rather than feeling like, oh, I'm walking into, um, I'm walking into something that I already find really cool. Like each day is a discovery about how, how exciting and fun and, and, uh, you know, really super lucky place to be in terms of you know i get to be home and i get to be making it with friends and you know brian and i went to college together we've known each other for forever oh wow um so uh yeah that's the reason one one of the reasons that i got the gig i had worked for dave and brian before and um they you know they called me up and they're like you know come and come and audition for this one because we want you in um and then initially too that the character that that character was a completely Wags was totally different. He was the strong, silent type. Um, you know, he was an Upper East Side wasp who was going to be very quietly dominating people from behind the scenes. And it was too. They 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 looked at the pilot and then they ended up cutting almost everything I did in the pilot. And then both of those guys just sort of t- said to me, they were just like they knew that I could do it because on some level I never would have been cast in that role. Um, I've never really played that kind of real attack dog and, but they knew that I had it in me. So they were just like, just go nuts, go 180 <laughs> degrees different and just go batshit crazy. And as I kept, as I kept doing what they wrote, they kept writing larger and larger for me. And, um, it was a great, it was, a, it was a great thing to sort of chase after each other for a while and to really, uh, you know, the, the, some of the, some of the crap that I say in the very beginning is astoundingly terrible. I'm just a <laughs> terrible, terrible man. Uh, and it's so pleasurable to do. I mean, it really, nobody is, has more fun than me to answer, to really finish answering your question. Like, yeah, when you're, when you're doing, when, when I'm in billions and I'm doing it and it really feels like, wow, this is super duper fancy. You definitely feel it. And, um, it's an, incre- you, you kind of get better at it rather than, Rather than it overwhelming you or taking you outside of the moment, you get to you get to trust that your instinct is right. You're like, oh no, this is going to be really, this is this is like one of those moments again, and you're just like, oh yeah, here it comes, here it comes. That's so. incredible that you can see it, like because it's not even apparent to the audience, right? Until it's happened a lot of the time, and I would imagine yeah. that on the page and or in a scene when you're in an ensemble cast and there's a lot going on. Uh, that it might not always be apparent, but it's cool to know that that chemistry, that feeling is there that like, oh yeah, this is going to click. You hear it all the time with, with people when you, when you, when you guys have talked to actors and stuff and it all sort of is driven by the writing. And it is like when you have great writing, um, making great writing work is not hard. Making bad writing is super hard. Making bad writing work is super hard and making good writing is very, very easy. And, um, Adding adding whatever it is that I I add to the the chemistry of that particular equation is, um, you know the, the 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 art of it and the craft of it and the you know my my own experience and um, my hope for for trying to for trying to do for trying to really work as hard as those guys worked and make it as good as I do so. Yeah. I mean, as we said to you when we spoke briefly on the live stream during the charity event, David, he's a character that you should absolutely loathe, despise. He should be the villain of the piece. And yet somehow he is one of the most likable characters in the show. And the weird thing is I've sat there for near enough five full seasons wondering what does he actually do though what is his job (laughs) 
like what what role does he play in this organization and i think yeah. it was during the last season it was the episode where there was like the power cut and the internet was cut off and it's like now we have to get on the phones and it's like now he's coming into his own he's proper right. old school this is how you used to trade back in the day exactly exactly and it's very funny you know i go i've gone to a bunch of different charity events on on different trading floors where you go and, uh, you know, you meet, I shout at people and I tell them to fuck off and they love it and they go crazy <laughs> and I flip them off and they get even happier. And, um, but then they go, you go in on every trading floor, they've got like this one separate room where they keep all the old guys, like guys who are my age. And, and, and you go back there and I was like, oh yeah, that's what wags would, that's where wags is. And inevitably there is some guy who was very similar to wags who's kind of shouting at everybody and pushes everybody around. You kind of look at that guy and he's, he's usually with me. Um, and, and they all get very afraid of him when he walks in and he kind of growls at them. And then I shout more and then they get excited. And, but when you see the old dinosaur section, when you get into the dinosaur section, there is a, <laughs> there is a, there is a memory of what that wags actually was or could have been or what, you know, what, how he started. You uh, you actually touched on what my next question was going to be a little bit. What parts of Wag's life have you got to live, even if for like a night or a day? You must have been a part of some other things besides these charity events. Uh, you mean like when I get treated like Wags? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, you know, if I walk around in Midtown and people people scream "fuck you" to me, and I'll scream "fuck you" back. To them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and I don't know whether they're fans of the show or not. That's um, just that's just Midtown New York, right? Uh, so yeah, exactly. That's just that's just a walk. That's just a walk through Midtown. Um, uh, it, there's not, you know, my my life is surprising. You'd be surprised at what a you know middle aged dad with two young kids is. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of extra wagsy that I get. I get I get most of my wags when I'm at work. Um, and uh, you know, I get to wear nice clothes, and somebody cuts my hair, and inevitably you don't somebody. Get these asks, Wall Street guys being like, "Come out with us, let us show you what it's really yeah, like." Sure, but I'm not going to go out with them. Like that would be weird. Like I want to buy you a fucking drink. Let's go get drunk. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I know I can't do that. My kids <laughs> oh, gonna... I let them do it. You're, you're in. You're in. You're going. I just you say yes. Dress oh, up yeah. like I've, I've been on some weird adventures. I've slept on fans' couches before. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> right. Well, there, there you go. There you go. You, you don't have two small children, do you? No, no, I oh, don't. No. Right. This would be the disincentivizing aspect where you know that they're going to get up and they'd be like, Daddy, why do you, uh, why, why are you covered in vomit and blood? Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's for a role. <laughs> exactly. It was for a role. It was for fun. Uh, it's hard to explain. So when it comes to playing, uh, you know, you mentioned how fun it is, right? How fun it is, how you know that, uh, that you're a part of something special. Yeah. Uh, you know, Look, a lot of people in my position, maybe even myself, they all aspire to act, right? And then I got a uh-huh. taste of it. I'm like, man, acting is hard. Yeah. Acting is not a joke. It's not easy. What would you say the balance is between fun and hard work when it comes to playing a character like Wags? I mean, when you you know, there is there is something too about you know, I've been doing this qu- quite a, 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 a long, a longish time, maybe thirty. 33 years um and you know so there is uh, you know going to training school going to i went to graduate school i got my graduate degree in acting I went, I went to undergrad and i studied acting in undergrad and i have spent you know a great part of my life trying to get better and training myself and talking to people and studying and working and um so 
so part of that too is that when you when you've met out the the work over years and years uh, decades of your life there is it's not as acute you know in terms of the the amount of work how you have to do it because there's so much that is baked into the way you know how to tell stories the way that you know how to listen to somebody and act with them and really create the world that you're doing um that that part of it you know when you when you're teaching somebody or when you're learning something new one of the most annoying aspects of it is if somebody comes to you and they have never played poker and you try to start teaching them how to play then you'll be like but why do you why do you play it like that why do you play that hand like that or in that position why would you play that why, why would you play cards like that or why would you fold cards like that and then you're like, I don't know, instinct and years of experience. Um, yeah. And you're like, yeah, but that's useless. How can I explain to you instinct and years of experience? And you're like, well, I have it and I know it and I've learned and I've trained myself to, in fact, rely on my instinct and my years of experience and know that I know that that almost always will be the best way to go about making a choice. You know what I mean? You put um, your 10,000 hours in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, not to say that again. It's like like you ask, like, am I good at poker? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm okay at poker. I, I beat all those crumb bumps um, once. <laughs> uh, but you know, not to say you you get to a certain point and you feel like I, I feel like um, when I get on a set or when I'm working with somebody, if it's in the theater on on a, in a television or movie, you know, I feel like I'm their colleague. I don't feel like I'm scrambling to catch up to them, even if it's somebody as great as Brian Cranston or Daniel Day Lewis, or you know, you're working with Spielberg and working with Damien and Paul and um, people who who I deeply respect and really feel so connected to. Uh, but at the same time, I I know I know that I have that same um, ability to trust my instinct and to rely on my experience to to be present with them, to make this thing that we're going to make, to tell the same story, that we're all going to tell the same story in the same way. And um, hopefully it will be, you know, it will all, it, I will always rise to their level. And you, and like I said, when you, when you get a character like Wags and you get to say insane shit and, and attack people, who, who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to be one of the most eloquently attacking, you know, dogs around it's so fucking fun and then nobody actually really ever sort of shouts back at him which is even better like nobody really ever you know puts him down so you get to live a part of that a little bit yeah yeah that's awesome that's really cool yeah. i gotta tell you uh when they wouldn't let you into the club the line you drop uh on your way out the door i tweeted about it the next day all i said was there was a line in billions last night that makes me infuriated that i'll never write a line this good and brian responded <laughs> I know exactly the line you're talking about. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Shooting that scene. Was it, did it feel as good to say it? Did you have to do it a bunch of times? Did you lose a little of the magic that way? No, like you, when, when you get something like that, like you really have to like you, those, those, when they're really good like that, you really can fuck it up. You really can start to, um, you know, overthink what, it. The, well, kind of like you, you, the Tai Chi thing where you're holding the bird, and you don't want to crush the bird. You, you want to, you want to hold it tight enough that you still control yeah. it, but, but you don't kill it. Um, that, that is one of those ones where, you know, you know, when it's that good, you can't, you can't, you can't overwork it. You can't enjoy it too much. You have to really toe the line because they're too, um, they're weirdly as, as strong as they are when they play and you, and the, and the strength comes from, 
the strength, frankly, sort of comes from the compression of, uh, of it. So in other words, like, if you if you let the air out of it in any way, if you if you share it on set with people, if you say it too many times, if, yeah. you, if you if you if if it starts to lose its juice, um, it's it can be really dangerous because then you got to work super hard to get it back, uh, and you know it's it's too it's too precious to to want to fuck around with because it's too it's too good. But that is also another situation where you know like. This is a killer. The first time I read it, I was like, come on. That's insane. It's unfair <laughs> how good this line exactly, is. Exactly. And I get to see it. Uh, just a, well, just one fun question here. I'm not sure if James has anything else. Uh, I, I Just in doing some, some research, I found a lot of funny hypothetical questions about WAGs that people uh-huh. just answer as if they know are uh-huh. true. What is the funniest thing funniest untrue thing you've read about yourself or one of your characters on the internet uh i don't know like what what do they write i don't read that what what what's so they like someone was like what is wags worth and someone on reddit very confidently is like he's worth 150 million dollars where are they getting that from (laughs) he he owned bear stearns but sold before the market crashed he also spends a lot so he has to make a lot like it was it was crazy. I mean, is this like is this fan fiction? Are these people imagining the background, or are they getting this information from Brian and David? Is it out there in the public domain somewhere? No, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> I just think it's overly not, confident people on Reddit. That's mad. That that's is mad. That is, really. That's a that's a lot of excess time people have got. I love it. Particularly, They're really, mad. really thinking about Wags's backstory. Right. Um, uh, the the last thing I wanted to say, David, in addition to the fact that I hope we get the chance to see you playing poker again soon, I hope we can create yes. more opportunities yes. um, to, 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 to see you at the tables, is the other thing I was thrilled about was with Better Call Saul, the fact that Gail came back, that he was able to have a, a cameo appearance in that prequel series, because when it was first announced, I had real doubts about Better Call Saul, and in many ways, I think it's as good, and when it's all said and done, has the potential to be even better than Breaking wow. Bad. It's a, it's a phenomenal wow. series. It's we a love great Breaking series. Bad. It's a well, great I mean, we love, uh, yeah, we love Better Call Saul. It was, uh, it's a good show. It's a very good show. It was, it was incredibly fun to go back and play that role, and um, to be back and see the old pals, and see Giancarlo, and um, you know, to really, and 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 to get to and and thankfully to get to sing again for that. Yes. So that was a that was a powerfully painful song to learn. Powerfully painful. Do you actually because, speak the language, or did you have to learn it phonetically? Oh, you mean uh, the 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 first? You mean in Breaking Bad? Yeah. I was talking about in Saw the uh, the, the. Oh yes, of course. The, the, the element song. Um, well, in the 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 story in Breaking Bad. I had a very good friend of mine who was on the writing staff. His name is Sam Catlin, who was one of the writers and producers of the show, and who then eventually went on to run and create Preacher, um, who's a great guy. And he and I had gone to grad school together. And so at some point after a while, you know, Vince asked asked him, he was like, can he do anything? Can he do anything? Does he have any actual skill? Um, <laughs> and he said that I could sing. And I was, and he was like, oh, great. So they, they chose that. And they didn't, like, the... So the musical, musical, uh, the the guy who did all the music sent me the tune and was like, "Here's the tune. You got, you know, here's the tune. You got to learn." And it's in a it's in a Milanese uh, dialect, and it's an incredibly it's incredibly hard song to learn. 
And I happen to, I weirdly happen to speak enough Italian to get by. Like if I'm, I, I speak restaurant Italian. If you're there, if I'm there, I could, get, if I'm there, I could get you what you wanted. And uh, so that was totally lucky that I could get, I could, I could speak Italian. And, um, but learning the tune was just because you knew it was like, this is a brutal, brutal song. And then the elements, that song yeah. was another song where I had even less time to learn it. But also you knew that it had to be. Um, you had to know both of those songs so cold because you have to be doing something that you are relaxed doing. So even if it's just watering plants, figuring out how you're going to water it and what, how much water you put in that plant and remembering it and going back and then like not missing the language. And you want, there's something that's so satisfying about the fact that that guy can, he knows there's no, there's no flubs. You know what I mean? There's no actual mistakes. Yeah. And, um, and the one we did for better call Saul, we were running at a time and I did it in one take. Wow. There was one, there's one version where they did the whole, so the whole, uh, song in one shot. And that was a single, that was one. We only ever did the whole song in one take. Damn. That's incredible. They need to clip that and market it. They Dis did. They Dis did in the well, very beginning. They I was going to say di distance learning is now a thing. If you want to learn the chemical <laughs> elements, I can't think, I can't think of a better way to learn it right now. <laughs> exactly. The periodic table. Yeah. There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, and ruthenium, ruthenium, ruthenium. I you, see how, you see how deep it goes in there? That I, that's that. incredible. That is incredible. That's so, not in front of me. I'm not actually no. looking at it. It's just, it's emblazoned in my brain. <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought up emblazoned in your brain. Now, it's a tradition yeah. on this show, if we can keep oh you for, for to, yeah. it's a tradition that you play one of my stupid games. Okay. At the end of the show, uh, yeah. it's a trivia game. This one it's always bespoke, especially for the guests. This one's called User Illusion. And when I found that question about Wags, I actually went to IMDb and dug up user reviews of your TV shows uh -huh. and one movies, uh, one movie, and found some of the most hilariously worded ones. So what <laughs> I'm going to do is I'm going to read the review, a section of the review. You have to tell me which of your shows the review was about. <laughs> I love and it. Right. Man, did I learn some things about pop culture just skimming through these. I'll get to that later. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. First, user illusion. Is the greatest blank is the greatest show of all time, but please... Just don't let your toxic brain ruin this platform. How pathetic all of you to praised this show and rated Game of Thrones 1 just because you didn't have the finale you want before. Um, fuck, dude. I don't know, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is correct. One wow. of the things I learned about pop culture, James, is that people were so mad about the Game of Thrones finale that they flooded the Breaking Bad IMDb page with positive reviews to try to drive down Game of Thrones. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is absurd. It is absolutely oh. absurd. It's crazy. It, all of the, like, the, there's like a couple hundred reviews right around when Game of Thrones went down. It was incredible. <laughs> okay, here we go. You're one for one. Next nice. review here. Better than House of Cards. Great cast, decent story, very recommended drama with suspense and some action. Season one, best still season finale is good. Fairly consistent writing, even with the crazy stuff happening each season. 
each seasons. I like I like that you also include the poor grammar. I like that you don't edit it. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. Uh, billions, billions is. That one is not billions. That one was damages. But hold on, because ah. billions may come up later. Nice. I like the damages reach back. Thank you for that. Question. By the way, none of these are super obscure ones. These are all ones we had at least a couple of episodes listed. All right. Uh, question number three. I started watching this show this past summer at my buddy's house once a week as a get-together of old friends. At first, the conversation was less about the TV show, but more about what was going on with us. Is this a review the or a personal journal? <laughs> it's, I'm actually skipping a lot of this here. The style of the show is a very dry humor, similar to Monty Python, with its play on words and how you have to pick up on certain things and jokes. Every time I watch the show now, I pick up on things I missed the previous time. Flight of the Concords? Flight of the Concords is correct. Nice. Moving on here, question number four. If you like smoldering dramas, mm. this is your show. Mm. It's gripping, full of suspense, and the characters are going to grow on you, as is the storyline. I've seen negative remarks about this show. These oh. types are usually the ones with the attention span of a gnat. <laughs> there are a lot of shows on nowadays that don't blow you away the first episode, but always leave you wanting more. I'm not saying this show is that good, but we will need a new show after the next few weeks. This show has the potential to be that villain, at least for me. My advice is watch it and get into it. I am glad I did. Enjoy. That's got to be Billions. No? Billions? That was Low Winter Sun. Low I had to reach sun. for that one. Nice. But I did want to read the addition here that, that would have given away. Uh, oh, and Gail from Breaking Bad, played by David Costable, is on there too. Uh, I mean, he is dark and evil, so not for everyone, but I like what I've seen so far, but only one episode. <laughs> I like one episode. Well, that was sadly, sadly the fate of that television show went went quickly. That was a fun one. I love that show. It was very Just fun. two more left to go. Here we go. Question I, I number keep, five. I'm not doing very well. What are them, two for two? This yeah. one. Yeah, that. I, for, honestly, you've never listened to this show. The guests are usually 0 for 9. It's really <laughs> awful. <laughs> Uh, question number five. I think you're going to get this one. While it employs the basic psychological elements of professional wrestling, and I hate professional wrestling, it uses that same mentality to make you pick sides and forget about rational and impartial analyses of any of the given circumstances. The side you're on doesn't matter anymore. You're there, and it is what it is. Billions, baby. There it is. There's there. billions. Now, another thing I learned about pop culture, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, almost the Billions star review on IMDb is heavily fucked up by the fact that almost all of the negative reviews eventually devolve into a complaint about Taylor or wokeness or politics, and it's, like, terrifying. Oh, fuck those people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying that, that, that someone would need to... I mean, it's crazy, so... Whatever the number is of billions should be way higher because of these fucking idiots. Last question. <laughs> this is the only one I included a negative review. Please forgive me, David. Nice, I like it. Bring it. Not only do you have to sit through 2.5 hours of boring film, but there is no payoff at the end because we knew this ending was coming. To show it like they did was almost as tragic as the event itself. I'm not saying show the bullet rip through his skull, but show us the event as it unfolded. <laughs> Don't deny the audience of that emotion. 
the emotion of watching the bullet rip through his skull? That's the emotion you're looking for? I'm not really quite sure that that's... Really? That's the emotion? You, you want to have a movie about the Civil War, and then the thing that you really want to do is that you want to see the moment of assassination of the president. I'm going to say Lincoln on that one. That was Lincoln, and finally, just this last one is just for me. Um, I went on uh, to the reviews of the movie The Siege and left uh-huh. uh, this, nice. this review. First, first movie I ever was in. The guy who played the fingerprint expert was excellent and is probably going to go on to be in some of the best TV shows of all time. This is not true. This is not true. You wrote that yourself. I, that's what I'm saying. I left that review for you. <laughs> David Costable, you're awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. It's very fun. I look forward to playing some cards with you. Thank you yes. very much, David. Really appreciate you coming on the show today. You bet. Take care. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, that was a really fun interview, but we are not done for this week. We have our Superfan segment, and we are now welcoming to the show Enrique Gomez. Hello, Enrique. Hello, how are y'all doing today? What's up, Enrique? What's up? With, what's up with the use of the word "y'all"? Where are you from? Uh, I live in Austin, Texas. I've lived in Texas my whole life. I've been in Austin since 1990. Oh and, man! Uh, I am not in IT, but I am IT adjacent. I'm a uh, systems analyst for a big tech company here in Austin. That sounds uh, important. Eh, it's interesting. Keeps me busy. <laughs> that's for sure. Don't be self-deprecating. Don't play down the vitalness of your role, especially at a time like this. Uh, Enrique, now, it's very important to state here that we have screwed you around because we've changed the date on you about five times. We've canceled, we've rescheduled, we postponed recording the podcast, we took a break, then we were back again. Thank you for your flexibility. Um, As a thank you for that, we are going to guarantee that you get at least two T-shirts from the Poker (laughs) in the Ears range. But obviously, should you win the quiz, you will double your prize and win all four t-shirts the caveat i will issue and this goes to everyone right now is the star store is currently closed for business we don't have (laughs) access to the stock and i know a few people are chasing their t-shirts it could be a while it might not be till the autumn that we're able to dispatch these prizes but i've kept records i've got notes we're not going to welch everyone will eventually get their merch um so i'm assuming texas prevents you from playing for real money on poker stars it does regretfully uh, i've been playing a fair bit of play money here and there just because um before covid hit uh i'd be playing that i think the one thing that play money has done for me in terms of my game you can't really work on strategy much but it's helped me open up my my shove ranges when i get <laughs> short stacked i feel like my shorts game got my short game got a lot better just playing free money and understanding just how wide you can go and still be reasonably comfortable with your winning percentage. I think that's a, an excellent point. And uh, I've been getting a lot of play money, money practice too these days. And I'll say this, it's not as worthless as people make it out to be. Yeah, no question. Well, you put forward a specialist subject that we were very excited about, Enrique, because we talked towards the end of last year about how much we were enjoying the HBO TV series Watchmen. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. That's the subject of the quiz I have in front of me. I take it you were also a fan of the show. 
Oh, yeah. Um, I was a little bit behind when it aired. I remember when uh, Joe tweeted about episode six and how he knew the writer or is it the writer or the, or the director of that episode? The writer. Yeah. I mean, obviously, look, on a TV show, there's more than one person writing it, but typically one person gets credit for the, you know, the original teleplay. And yes, my friend Cord. Yeah. Uh, was was the fellow behind that so, so i was about three weeks behind when that episode aired and when i caught up i had i remember tweeting you directly and saying tell cord he wrote in, i still stand by this it is one of the 10 best episodes of television i've ever seen probably top five I'm glad you agree with me i think it's i think it's fantastic um i did uh read some things later on some some decent criticism of the show that that I think was valid, but I still think it's a fantastic show. And the good news for you, Enrique, because you were, as James mentioned, you got jerked around and you've been patient. I watched this thing. What? Like four months ago, which is actually like 10 years in quarantine time. So I, I probably won't remember anything. Yeah. I mean, obviously well, it's hard to get into too much detail and it's hard to get into specifics when you're dealing with an entire season, season of television. So you might do better than you think, Joe. Um, there are three rounds to this quiz. There are 12 questions in total, four questions in each round. And the first round is called Alter Egos. I'm going to give you the name of a character and I want you to tell me that character's Alter Ego. So being our guest, being our superfan, Enrique, you get to go first. Please give me a number between one and four. Uh, let's go with three. Number three, Will Reeves. Will Reeves' alter uh, ego is? Hooded Justice. Correct, for a point. And there is a bonus question available, if you can tell me, the actor who plays the older Will Reeves in Watchmen. That tripped me out a little bit. I hadn't seen Lewis, Lewis Gossett Jr. in ages. Absolutely. Uh, and still looking well for his age. Yes. You've scored the maximum number of points, two of them, in fact. Joe, you can have one, two, or four. Uh, one, please. Angela Abar. Angela Abar is the main character of the show, and she... I don't know the name of her alter ego. You can steal, Enrique. That would be Sister Knight. Correct, for a point. And because Joe did not get the main question, you get the bonus. Who plays Angela Abar? That's Regina King. Correct. You have a 4 <laughs> nil lead, and you can pick number two or number four. Yeah, we're Let's good go. here. Let's go four. Number four, Wade Tillman. What is Wade Tillman's alter ego? That is Looking Glass. That is Looking Glass for a point. And who plays Wade Tillman? Tim Blake Nelson. Correct for a point. Joe, I'm confident you're getting it on the board with question two. Adrian Veidt. Is Ozymandias. Correct. And who plays him? Jeremy Irons. Correct. So the score is 6-2 going into round two, which is general trivia questions. Multiple choice options available, but if you don't need the options, you can score a full two points. One, two, three, or four, Enrique. Let's go two this time. Who is the U.S. president in 2019? That would be Robert Redford. For two points, your bonus question, in what year was Redford elected? Uh... Think about this for a minute. 92? Correct. For the bonus oh, points. Did not expect to pull that one. Nice work, sir. One, two, three. Sorry, one, three or four, Joe? Uh, one. In which American city does the story take place? Oh, uh, that's uh, uh, 
Tulsa, Oklahoma. You got the bonus as well. That's a full three points. Well done. <laughs> three or four. Let's go four. What is the passcode for Angela's hidden lair? It is 1985. Correct. And what is the significance or relevance of that code? That is the year that the events in the original graphic novel took place. Correct. You now have 12 points. Joe, you have so, five. So if I can interject for a second, Joe, this tells you how much I got into this. I'm about three quarters of the way through my fourth viewing of this series, so there was a lot to take in at this point. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Well, I mean, I'm glad, hey, it's it's worth it. It's a really fantastic show, so whatever, yeah. man. I, you, you deserve to win this. <laughs> Again, Joe, I'm confident you're going to get some more points here. What type of creature occasionally rain from the sky? Aliens. Is it shrimp or slugs or? There are multiple choice options Mollusks, available. There's squid. I think it's squid. I'm gonna go with squid. Congratulations! You scored the full two points and you get the bonus. Who engineered the squid rain? Ozymandias. Correct. And so you have eight points. Uh, Enrique, you have a four-point lead going into the final round, which is, who said? I'm going to give you a quotation from the TV show. I'd like you to tell me who said it. The character, not the actor. One, two, three, or four. Okay. Uh, let's start with number one. Fuck me and the horse I rode in on. <laughs> oh, Lord, this is a tough one. I'm gonna just take a stab and say it was Judd. It was Judd for a point. Joe, two, three, or four. <laughs> I'll just go at two, please. That said, I'm pleased you enjoyed the tomatoes. I don't think anyone. Wait, did he actually say tomatoes? Then I'm gonna. I'm oh, sorry. Is this multiple choice or no? No multiple choice. Uh, I will. Once again, guess Ozymandias. Correct, for a point. <laughs> that was Adrian Veidt in his letter to the uh, the game warden. Three or four, Enrique? Let's do three. You can't heal under a mask. Can't heal under a mask. Oh, Lord. Is that Lady True? It's not. It's Will Reeves. Okay. And Joe, you get the okay. final question. Question number four. Don't take it personally. I'm FBI. We bug shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the Jean Smart character, and she was uh, Lady something or other. Lady. Lady Liberty Justice. Go ahead, Enrique. That's uh, Lori Blake. It is Laurie Blake, but you don't get to steal. You don't need the points, to be brutally honest, Enrique. You've smashed this. Uh, a total of 13 points. Joe, you did put up a respectable score, nine points. So it wasn't a total shellacking, uh, but a deserving win for our Watchmen superfan. Enrique, you are going to get all four T-shirts from the Poker in the Ears range as soon as we can dispatch them. 
I appreciate it. It's uh, honestly, it's an honor and a privilege to be on here. I've been listening for, I want to say between three and four years now. And I just really, really love the show. And right now, it's nice having this little piece of normal or maybe abnormal, depending on how you consider it, uh, when things are uh, as crazy as they are right now. So thank you. Both. That's very, very kind, Enrique. We appreciate we appreciate you too. Uh, when you do uh, contribute, when you do holler at us on Twitter, we uh, we appreciate you very much. Thank you. Uh, y'all stay safe, be well, and uh, thank you very much. All right, my babies, we are just about out of time for this week's show. Hold your horses, Joe. We got breaking news. I know it's a bit weird to have breaking news on a pre-recorded show and people are going to be listening to this like months, <laughs> this if not years later. This is legit breaking news. I have no idea what this is. Um, no, I, I've just seen that the announcement is now public and I don't think this is going to come as a shock to most people, but it has been confirmed that the Pokestars Players Championship 2020 is going to be delayed until 2021. There is not going to be a European Poker Tour Festival in Barcelona in August. Both the EPT and the PSPC are going to be pushed into next year at a date yet to be determined. Um, Of course, everyone who has won a Platinum Pass so far for the next PSPC, those passes still valid. They will still get to play in that event when it eventually takes place next year. Well, good news that it's happening still. Good news, I think, for everybody's safety that it's been postponed. And, uh, hey, look, if if I know the PSPC, and I've been to 100% of the ones held so far, uh, the fact that it's being moved will probably mean it's only going to get bigger and better. A uh, quick reminder on how you can become a super fan on the podcast. Uh, we've got a poker movie double bill coming up. Yes. In a few weeks time, we're going to visit a couple of poker related movies. One relatively recent, one old classic film which we talked about with Martin Harris, author of Poker and Pop Culture, when he was on the show a few weeks back. A big hand for the little lady. I've got to work out where this film is and how easy it is to dig out from the archives. Uh, The other movie we're going to be talking about, I don't know how Brian Koppelman feels about Runner Runner, but his name is on it, he co-wrote it, and we are going to review it. He is very honest about not liking Runner Runner, not thinking Runner Runner is super great. Uh, he's tweeted a lot about it. Having said that, I don't know how comfortable I will be completely trashing this movie if I hate it, uh, because I still, and James, as you and I learned that people who create things sometimes do listen to the uh, to the broadcasts and the shows that we do. So uh, I will, look, I'm looking forward to seeing it either way, right? Have like, you never seen it? I think we it? can be honest. No, I've never seen it. You see, I have, and I didn't think it was that bad. So I'm interested in revisiting it. I have never seen A Big Hand for the Little Lady, so I'm looking forward to seeing that for the first time. But where this is leading up to is we need someone to volunteer to be a super fan about one of those two movies. So whichever one you feel most comfortable with, whichever one you find it easiest to unearth and watch, uh, but hit us up on Twitter with the hashtag poker in the ears. If you can leave a nice review about the podcast on your podcast platform of choice, great. Include a screenshot of that as well. And that's not to say that we're not taking applications for other subjects. If there's a movie, TV show, or other subject that you'd rather be a super fan of, again, please hit us up 
on Twitter with that hashtag and we'll add you to the list. But yes, there is a Poker Movie Monday double bill on the way. Those two films, we'd like a superfan for that episode, please. Excellent. And coming up next week, I want to say it's the Scoop recap, but will Scoop actually be over? Yeah, as I referenced earlier on, because it's been extended till the 31st of May and we're going to be recording on like the 27th, 28th of May, it won't, but most of it will be. We'll be kind of 90 to 95% of the way there. The main events will have wrapped. I think for most people, their scoop will be in the rearview mirror. And we will be inviting our official scoop correspondent, Benjamin Spraggy Sprag, back onto the show to look objectively at the Spring Championship of Online Poker 2020. But I guess to also talk about his own results, particularly that deep run that he made in the main event. Yeah, absolutely. It would be great to uh, talk to Spraggy about that, especially with a little distance behind it. You know, I both Spraggy and Lex, when they were eliminated on that day, were, were somewhat understated, I think, in what we saw. And I think that they probably had a lot more feelings about it after the fact. So we get a firsthand experience from Spraggy as well as our scoop correspondent. But for now, that is all the time we've got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.